Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's good to be joined right now, though, by a host, co-host of the Grant and Danny Show on 106.7 The Fan in D.C., also host on Sirius XM's MLB Radio. Grant Paulson joining me on CBS Sports Radio. Grant, appreciate you making time on a Sunday evening. How are you, man? My pleasure, Sean. Happy Independence Day weekend, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's good to talk to you. I, I, I do want to talk some baseball, but before we get into that, I, I didn't even throw it out there as a topic in the open to my show tonight, and still the phone lines have been filling up with people talking about the name change with the Redskins. So you're in D.C., so I have to get your, your take on this. What's the likelihood that it gets changed in time for the upcoming season? I might be in the minority. I still think it might be difficult for them to change the name before the start of the season. And I say that because here we are talking in July and training camp as of right now is expected to begin this calendar month, the preseason, which we all believe is going to be shortened and we're going to get an unprecedentedly short collection of games in August. You know, it's just around the corner as well. So I just think that the timeline makes it really difficult. I think strategically the Redskins can kind of run the shot clock out for one more season if they want and maybe financially trying to – cash in on, on selling some of that last season Redskins gear before moving over to whatever the new team name is. But look, one thing I will say, Sean, is that the new head coach who's running this operation from the top down under Dan Snyder, Ron Rivera, went on record within the last 48 hours and said he thinks it would be awesome if they could get it done before the start of the season. And I really think that put them on the clock, so to speak. I'm just not sure how practical it is, but the, the movement is legitimate. The pace with which this is going is pretty stunning at this point so I wouldn't be surprised but if I had to bet on it right now I would say it's, it's just going to be tough because I think when you show up as the Redskins at training camp with your logo on your helmet to then go rip those logos off in the middle of the preseason or as you approach week one and change your name while you're already playing and practicing that, that would be unprecedented and it just seems like that would be odd yeah, I just think that my guess is, I don't know the ins and outs of it. My guess is just the legalities of a name change, that there's a whole lot more that goes into it than just, you know, changing some letters on a field and just using the same color scheme, but with a different mascot and something like that. That's just from a practical standpoint. That's that's those are my thoughts. Now, you're you're talking to your listeners up there and other people in the media up there every day. So I'm very curious. What's been the general reaction to this? Well, over the years, it's kind of varied, but I would say with each passing year, and I would actually, Sean, make it more specific, each passing month and maybe even day at this point, the pendulum continues to swing toward more and more callers, more and more of the team's fans either being adamant in wanting the name to change or the largest group of this fan base, which is maybe they're not out there with a sign saying change the name but they are perfectly fine with changing the name and they're not going to be in any way in opposition to that. You know, they feel like that group maybe that ultimately they'll be on the right side of history. And while they enjoyed the, the team name and the logo and, and how unique the color scheme was and all of these things over the years, 
know, maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago. They didn't want the name to change, and they, they no longer do. I would say you've got about 30%, if I had to give you a rough guess, just based on 20-plus years in this market now, of this fan base that'll be upset if the name changes. I think you've got 70% of people, though, or so, about three-quarters of the fan base, maybe, as a max, that would genuinely tell you that either they want the name changed or it doesn't matter to them at all. Uh, they will still go to FedEx Field, and they will still root for Adrian Peterson to plunge into the end zone on a two-yard touchdown in week one, whether they're the Redskins or the Red Hogs or you know, the Warriors or whatever it is that they end up being. What about um, you mentioned the uniforms? I, you know, my my feeling was at least keep the color scheme because it's kind of an iconic color scheme. Could you see this being an out and out full mascot and uniform change? I think so. I, I could see it. Yes. Uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm more in line with you, where I don't think necessarily you have to change the color scheme. But the logic is, as I talk to people, you know, around the National Football League, that maybe if you're going with a fresh coat of paint. And you're actually changing the name, which is going to happen. That's inevitable, and I think it's, at this point, happening soon. Uh, You're going to change the logo. That goes without saying. Why not just go all the way and and have a completely new, fresh look? And if if you come up with a new name, you're boxing yourself in, perhaps, with colors, or you're boxing yourself in uh, without really... Uh, doing the whole thing from scratch and letting fans get involved and maybe building up for several months. Another reason when you say this can happen before the start of the year, I mean, if you rush into your next name, you rush into your next logo, yeah. this is something theoretically that for decades this organization is going to be using, number one. And number two, if they do it right, then it could be a real positive. And it could generate buzz and excitement and juice and some pizzazz. And if they do it wrong, it's going to lead to a way more negative reaction if they change the name. So they got to take their time a little bit and, and get it right. But, yeah, I think that while I would keep the colors, that there is some thought in town that, you know, the Nationals and the Capitals and the Wizards all have a very comparable color scheme, kind of red, white, and blue in the nation's capital, that maybe whatever the, the next version of the Redskins is will get in line in the entire city, a la Pittsburgh. You know, black and gold will have one look. I think there's a lot of fans here, though, that would rather keep something from the history of the three world championships and Super Bowl wins under Joe Gibbs and you know, kind of pay homage to the first several decades of this organization's history. That's interesting. Good stuff. Grant Paulson, uh, 106.7 The Fan and Sirius XM MLB Radio, joining me on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's shift gears, talk a little baseball, Grant. So the little news coming out today that a handful of teams, including the Nationals in your backyard there, had a couple guys test positive for the coronavirus. There was a press release or a statement from Major League Baseball saying that they've run I think between three and 4,000 tests, and they had 38 positives, which is a very minuscule percentage. What has your general reaction been to this phase of, you know, they're started ramping up these camps and the number of COVID cases that we're, we're seeing here? Does it make you optimistic about it? Does it make you nervous about it? What's been your general reaction? Yeah, I've been optimistic largely, Sean. I mean, I expected plenty of positive cases. And to be honest with you, I thought as we're talking today on July 5th, there'd be way more than a handful, which is where we're still sitting right now, of major league players who have bowed out of this season completely. You know, up until David Price of the Dodgers made that decision over the weekend, half of the four players right here in my backyard in the nation's capital, two of the four, were Washington Nationals who said they weren't going to participate. One is Ryan Zimmerman, a multi-time all-star whose mother has MS and he's got a one-month-old baby at home. The other, much more surprisingly, is a guy in the prime of his health and his career, Joe Ross, who's a fifth starting pitcher in his mid-20s. And that one was a little bit surprising. But I thought you'd get more cases where around the league players either were uncomfortable or just said, 
that they didn't want to participate. It wasn't worth the risk to them. And, and maybe that was as much COVID-19 or still being frustrated by the, the owner-player relationship, the fact that it's a 60-game sprint and the legitimacy is going to be questioned anyway, and, and you're putting your body or maybe your family in their health on the line in some way. So I think I've been more positive than anything else about the number of players who seem to be willing to engage and want to play this season. And then as far as the tests, if you go back a couple of weeks ago to when Major League Baseball shut down the spring training sites, remember the Phillies had several players in one day. I think it was eight or so organizational pieces, five players test positive on that one day. I kind of thought that was going to be the beginning of that happening at every complex. And we'd have dozens and dozens of players testing positive and you know, many people calling around the country for shutting baseball down and, and slowing our role to get it going again. So the fact that you haven't really heard a lot of those calls, I think, is probably big picture a good thing for getting the game going again. If the discussion is just, you know, speaking from they're going to be playing games, how do we get there? I think people should be excited and happy that, that there hasn't really been a whole lot of negative momentum in that way yet. You're in an interesting city, Grant for this structure coming up here for two reasons. One, you're in a city with the defending World Series champions, which always makes the next season interesting. And it's a season where it's 60 games, and we know if there had been a 60-game season last year, <laughs> you know the Nationals might have thought of tearing their team down after the season was over based on where their record was through 60 games last year. How excited are you for this upcoming season, just given the construct and the, you know, the Nationals' place in this upcoming season? Oh, Sean, it's going to be a blast. I mean, people here are elated. You know, they've been waiting to see the Nationals since the final out of mm-hmm. Game 7 in Houston against the Astros when they charged the middle of the infield and threw all their gloves in the air. I think it's going to be fascinating, kind of looking big picture at baseball, though. I genuinely believe that while 60 games is not particularly authentic and you're going to get some weird things that happen, you're going to get a mediocre team that gets on a roll and gets into the playoffs maybe once or, or in both leagues. And you're going to get a really good team that gets uh, pummeled by either injur- injuries or COVID that might miss out. I think as a general rule, and I went back and looked up all the, the last several seasons through 60 games, and the really good teams were really good. Yeah. And the really bad teams were really bad. So your Orioles and your Tigers and your Royals, those types of clubs are not making the playoffs. And teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Braves, they're all going to be in the postseason. And you're going to get a quirky thing here or there, which is going to make it so unpredictable and such a blast, and it's going to make it difficult for people to make a lot of money gambling, I would say, on baseball this year. But I can't wait. Just for the distraction that it'll be, for the fun that we've all been counting down to, and that nightly reprieve that we all, I think, in this country probably need to turn on the TV and get a few hours of sports you know, entertainment each and every evening. That's the beauty of baseball for me, Sean. It's always there for you for six months during the year. And you get a couple of days off for the All-Star break, but it doesn't go away. And uh, we'll have that for at least two months now in the 60-game push. God, that is so true, Grant. Like, just I, I miss having it on in the background on a right. Sunday in my house. You know, I'm not necessarily sitting and down and taking in four hours of baseball, but just as I'm walking through the house, it's on all the TVs in the house. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Grant Paulson is joining me on CBS Sports Radio. What is there a particular style of team or a particular facet to a team that you think a 60-game season benefits more than, more than others, whether it's offense, whether it's starting rotation, whether it's bullpens? I think veteran-laden teams. I, I think groups. And the reason I say that with, with older players is I think in just talking to some players around baseball during the last few weeks for some of my obligations that I do covering a major league baseball – 
guys have really had to train on their own more than they're used to. They've had to, to do things and get creative without a whole lot of input day in and day out from clubs. I think that's just easier to do when you know your body, right? I mean, if you've been at this for you know, eight or nine or ten seasons and you're 32 years old, you can much better show up on day one of spring training with your, your body in a really good spot in a traditional off season than a guy that might be 23 or 24 you know, who just hasn't had the reps of being his own strength and conditioning coach, knowing his body and when it's barking and whether to take a day or two to, to let it rest. So I think those veteran teams benefit. From a baseball strategy standpoint, here's what I'm enthralled by and what I think a lot of people by the end of the year will become enamored with. you got a chance where you could see managers get really creative and kind of go off the board a little bit with how they actually use their pitching staffs in this sprint. A lot, a lot of people are talking about four- and five-man and six-man rotations and all these things. I don't buy any of that. I think you're going to see five-man rotations. No one's going to be asking guys to go on three days of rest. But I think you could see a situation where we use more openers and, and maybe you know, maybe it's four starters with a couple of extra arms in the bullpen with the roster, especially early on, having a few extra arms in it. I'm just curious to see. I think you know, the dominant bullpens with extra arms where they've got quality but also quantity, I think those teams will be served really well this year also. Are you surprised that they didn't keep the rosters somewhat expanded for the entirety of the 60 games? I think it's going to be 30 for the first couple of weeks, then down to 28, and then within, you know, by about the, the you know, by about the trade deadline, which is August 31st, it's going to be 26-man rosters. Are you surprised they didn't expand it a little bigger than that just based on the the strangeness of everything? Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. thought it would be 30 for the duration of the campaign. Same here. If you would have if you would have said maybe 28, you know, you go from 30 to 28 and you stay there, I get that. Because my thinking was you're going to have a COVID case or two, perhaps. You're going to get someone who's got a barking hamstring or some type of issue popping up because of the start and stop nature of the spring and how strange this ramp up, which is going to be expedited, is going to be. But where I think they've saved themselves a little bit is with the taxi squads, which everyone needs to remember they're going 60 deep now. So yeah. in the past, you've had a 40-man roster. And if you're on that 40-man roster, you're eligible to play in a game. If you're not and you're in the minor leagues, then you can't play until you're added to the 40 and someone from the 40 is basically put on waivers. Well, now they're pooling from a a 60-player pool. All those guys are going to be getting the reps, however each team's going to choose to keep them fresh and available. And so I think they're, they're essentially viewing this like an NFL team does where their practice squad is part of their roster. Obviously, night in and night out, you're not going to be able to use those guys. You're going to have, as you said, 30, then 28, then 26. But because you're going to have 24 extra bodies, I think teams know by the time they get everyone tested or get those results back, they can make those roster decisions because you're not calling someone in Fresno, say, like the Nationals AAA affiliate, flying them cross-country to get there. (laughs) Those guys are training with you at the ballpark. You're basically going over to their locker and saying, hey, you're in the lineup tonight at 7.05. Yeah, I know Like here in Houston they're going to have them. I think they're going to have them in Corpus which is like a three-hour drive or something because they don't want so many guys in the ballpark. The more guys are in the ballpark, obviously that's more people that could be bringing the COVID into the clubhouse. But, yeah, that's a great point. Guys, is that where the Nationals AAA team is in Fresno? Well, and that's a disaster. We could talk about that. It might bore a lot of people. But, yes, it is an utter debacle. It was that way last year and it will be again this year, and I think they'll get out of it after. But their AAA team is in Fresno, California. And so they've had situations where – 
like they'll call a guy up and flights will get delayed and everything, and they get there like a day and a half later. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, there's not, and, and DC is a big city. Fresno, from an airline yeah, standpoint, right. it is not. There are no direct flights from DC yeah. to Fresno. That's hilarious. There's no good way to do that. Oh, no, you're right. Absolutely right. Grant Paulson, 106.7 The Fan, Sirius XM MLB Network, joins me on the show. He's one of the hardest working men in show business. Grant, I appreciate you making time on a Sunday night. Keep up the great work, my man. Thanks, Sean. Take care, buddy. Good talking yep, to you. Yep, you too. Grant Paulson joining me on the show. Good, good stuff right there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.